Hello and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles. I try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoiler, we don't. This week. Yes, because we definitely record these weekly, for sure. (laughs) It's not like we took, like, what, a month off of recording because we were recording actual play stuff. (laughs) It was like three weeks. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's whatever, you know? Time doesn't have a meaning in the real timeline or in this movie, I think, maybe. That's right. Everything happened before and everything will happen again. Yes. That's the thing for Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) Um, Um, So I fucking want... Okay, first of all, it has Facebook movie guy. Yes, motherfucking Jesse Eisenberg, dude. Holy shit. Isn't Jesse Eisenberg the name of a character in Breaking Bad? It's Jesse Pinkman. Oh. I haven't seen Breaking Bad. You're probably, like, mixing up Heisenberg... And Jesse Pinkman into one person named Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. That, that's typical me. <laughs> um, one of my very first notes is this oh. man is a ghost. And later in the movie, he writes, to whom it may concern, oh. I am a ghost. So my like... A fucking genius? I think you're a genius. Or am I a fucking genius? Like, that's (laughs) next level. Yeah. (laughs) My first three thoughts about this movie are, this man is a ghost, either that or everyone hates him, either that or he has very bad anxiety. uh, My first notes are, motherfucking Jesse Eisenberg, dude, holy shit, um, Jesus Christ, fuck dude. (laughs) And then, why did he give up his seat on an empty train? Dude, stop being such a huge beta and nut up. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and that then was I got really weird. mad at bad public transit etiquette. Yeah, there's yeah, there's some people who did didn't do it good. But this is like your guy, your your typical male downtrodden protagonist where nobody appreciates his genius and he's just so fed up with life all he has to look forward to is spying on and stalking his neighbor who's a pretty girl and who's kind of quirky and does artsy things and is one of the only characters who actually wears color in the movie right i i noted that she has like a weird fucking wes anderson ass apartment (laughs) yeah for sure yeah like the color choice of like bright sort of primary but like not quite pastel but like you know those those like the I, you've seen Wes Anderson movies right I have seen Wes Anderson movies okay so. for the audience the style is very like it's color it's very like bright in its use of color yeah makes prominent use of color to set mood and tone color and paisley yes this was anderson he does like that and owen wilson he also does like that man and bill murray and adrian brody this movie did not have adrian brody nor did it have jason schwartzman it also did not have any of the above mentioned men it did have jesse eisenberg did have Jesse Eisenberg. It also had Wallace Shawn, who is probably oh, best. that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's had him. Vizzini from Princess Bride and Grand Negazek in Deep Space Nine. Don't remind me that Ferengi exists, okay? I just watched a fucking weird <laughs> incel movie. I don't need another reminder. Which, which Ferengi episode of Deep Space Nine is your favorite? <sighs> I know it's like choosing from amongst the turds in a toilet. Which one do you like best? 
<laughs> right. We have a movie we were talking about and not yes. just Deep Space we were Nine. We are talking about, okay, so <clears throat> one of my first thoughts about this movie, other than like thoughts about Jesse Eisenberg's character, mm-hmm. um, is this movie set in the Unsound Theoryverse? And specifically, does it know it's set in the Unsound Theoryverse? As in, like, it is a meta-commentary on the podcast. Okay. Or is it just, like, an extended metaphor for the podcast, whether intentional or not? Interesting. So, like, my thought was... Like, okay, let me, you know, let me try to fit this into the Unsound Theoryverse somehow. Yes. Well, it's definitely unmoored from time because it's like the, it's set in like the future past or something. Right. It's like a weird... I enjoy future past movies. Yeah, me too. Like any sort of retro futurism is really cool. Look, It looks like what people in the 1950s would have imagined the 80s would look like. Exactly. Yeah. It's like they have computers, but they're like weird kind of dealies. And there's TVs and sci-fi, but it's very like 50s-ish sci-fi mixed Mm -hmm. with like 80s action tropes. Right. And like the, the whole like design aesthetic is very like it's very soviet yeah like um it like a lot of brutalist architecture yeah yeah and like you know failing infrastructure and everything like that so really they were just like 30 years off yeah 40 years off 40 years off yeah (laughs) um so i like the aesthetic of the movie no no idea what's happening in it plot wise other than okay so we have like jesse eisenberg who is just the bad man and is literally like fucking has a telescope watching this girl that he works with who also happens to like live across the street from him Mm -hmm. and that's bad um yeah it's really creepy and very he exhibits a lot of beta-ish behavior he's very he's very like pathetic and like lets people jump in front of him in lines and shit like that. Right, and like... Digs through her trash to find the pictures that she throws away because she's quirky and she draws a picture and then she cuts it into pieces and sticks all of the pieces on her fingers and then she lets that go into the trash system in her apartment building. She's so quirky, you guys. I'm like, the vibe that I got was, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but like potential, because there wasn't any art in the show or the movie that wasn't just either pure propaganda or pictures of the colonel at who is like a, this figure of like Stalin-esque yeah. vibe. Yeah. So like my, my, my feeling was that the art that she was doing was technically a crime. So that's why she destroyed it. Okay. So can, maybe it wasn't just quirk. It was I mean, like, but she's also just so quirky, <laughs> but she's like, a little bit sad maybe like she needs some sort of boring ass pathetic dude to to give her life meaning while she can also give his life meaning Mm -hmm. yeah she's just waiting for a creepy guy to stalk her right right she needs she needs some sort of like beta savior to save her from the you know alpha who's out there cheating and all it's it's very like in cell fantasy yes and like richard ayawade i love you but come on my dude can we not it it, and the movie was from like what 2013 i think yeah it's not exactly at the point where like you know incels weren't a thing and we hadn't culturally examined the idea of like this i guess it i guess 2013 was the height of the manic dream pixie girl movie yeah we we've got some real manic pixie dream girl vibes going on and honestly as a real life manic pixie dream girl i did not appreciate this representation because i am cute and i am quirky but i don't need a boring ass piece of shit dog man to like weirdly seduce me using his clone who's actually him because this was a uh fight club scenario for sure i refer to it as a ferris bueller scenario because i firmly believe that 
uh, Cameron just entirely imagined Ferris in that movie as his version of what a cool guy would do. Okay. Um, I can see that. Yeah, I, I know this theory. It's, uh, it's, but yeah, no, it's like... It's, it's, it's definitely a Fight Club situation. It is for sure a Fight Club situation, and I caught on to that pretty early. I, I did too. I was like, okay, this is... Yeah, no. The one thing that I did like, though, as like a very, very, very subtle thing is that... Um, so I'm going to refer to them as Alpha and Beta Eisenberg. <laughs> is that Alpha Eisenberg was taller than Beta Eisenberg by, like, a centimeter. Yeah. Which, like, was enough to differentiate them. And, like, you know, yeah, this is who you could be if you didn't, like, hunch over and make yourself as small as possible because you're such a goddamn Beta. Yeah. Now, there was a point before I figured out it was a Fight Club club scenario where Mm -hmm. uh, they, the two copies, because, okay, here's what happens in the movie. Dude sucks, and then someone across from him, uh, like, jumps out of his apartment and dies, and blah, 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 commits suicide because the society sucks dick. Not in the fun way. Um, And then, like, a guy moves in to that apartment who is an exact copy of shitty Jesse Eisenberg, but he's cool. Okay, so both of them are shitty Jesse Eisenbergs. There's just the alpha shitty Jesse Eisenberg and the beta shitty Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, he's like a doppelganger and like gets a job at his job and like, but does better and everyone likes him and doesn't ignore him and shit. And he gets promoted and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so there was a scene when they like first kind of like met and they like, went out to to dinner together or something and we're like hanging out on the train and like having a conversation and i thought maybe this isn't a manic pixie dream girl movie maybe this is a manic pixie dream doppelganger movie yeah so i have in my notes okay so we have alpha eisenberg and beta eisenberg the real question is are they going to fuck yeah this turned out not to be the case there was they did not fuck. Um, Which was slightly disappointing. I am also disappointed that Manic Pixie Dream Girl and Hot Goth Girl did not fuck. Um, one question that came up for me, is this an unintentional metaphor for the trans experience? Ooh, elaborate, because that's piqued my interest about this very bad movie. <laughs> okay, so this guy is fucking like invisible nobody pays attention to him he -hmm. has trouble like getting into work because his id never works and they never believe him that he's like actually this person or something like that which is like definitely a metaphor for like having the wrong id on like your official id and stuff like that clearly and the the like dream version of him is like happier and more manly. So what if Jesse Eisenberg is actually a closeted trans man in this? Oh, that actually checks out. It right? Like but I don't want to like put that on trans men. Like no. I mean it also could be a like cuz Jesse Eisenberg is very shitty in both aspects of himself in this movie. Yes. We also could go the other direction and say Jesse Eisenberg is a closeted trans woman. And the fake version of him is the sort of like extra overly compensation manly persona he puts on to like distract Ant from like dysphoria and stuff like that. Because also there's a scene where copy Jesse Eisenberg fucking knife cuts him right across the Adam's apple, which like very, very evocative of yes, feminization surgeries. Yes. So like, I think we're onto something here for sure. Potentially. So see, this is this is my vibe. Is that like the going from that the the Alpha Eisenberg his his deal is that he's like effectively and maybe this is reaching a little bit but he's effectively what would it be like if i was cis yeah rather or, than like or, or the like like 
yeah yeah it's basically like yeah exactly exactly you know that 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 whole idea that like you know man if only i could be cis then all of these good things would happen to me alpha jesse eisenberg is the metaphorical eggy compensation beard i never had one of those neither did i i also couldn't really grow facial hair to save my fucking life i can't either i'm fine with that now yeah i've i've gone for one session of laser in my entire life and the doctor was like are you sure you didn't recently shave and i'm like no this is four days of growth (laughs) and she was like okay don't come back after this (laughs) uh yeah mine's a little bit worse than that but yeah still i got lucky um what were we talking about jesse eisenberg is trans yes (laughs) jesse jesse eisenberg man this got serious jesse eisenberg this movie is a trans metaphor i don't think it's intentional they rarely are um but i feel like it could be a um this movie could become and i may be reaching here part of the trans canon the trannon the trannon um i'm giving this movie way more credit than it deserves i just appreciate that i got you with that (laughs) like the the guffaw and like gasper air is what i live for with this podcast (laughs) yeah um this movie had so many tropes. It was like tropes, the movie. Mm-hmm. There was even like a like going on a date while somebody else is like listening in on the radio. Mm-hmm. It was wild as fuck. Um, I genuinely I had a hard time following like what was happening because it was just like a series of uh, me wanting to die alternately from Jesse Eisenberg being the worst and hot girls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the yearning yearning that's happening right now is very powerful because like, holy shit, it's been like four months at least since I've had meaningful physical contact yeah yeah same and it's bad it's very bad there was a scene where like hot goth girl because of course there's a hot goth girl in a weird male fantasy movie um and of course she plays video games um she like comes to get who i don't know if it's alpha or beta jesse eisenberg but she like grabs him by the hand and like starts to lead him out the door mm-hmm. and then she like fucking headbutts him and just like pushes him out with her head and i was like that's so cute i'm gonna die <laughs> oh god yeah this this there's like just a lot um there's a couple of things that just didn't jump out at me as making sense like yeah. the, like when they go to the diner they like constantly have a teapot on the table yeah. to you know be quirky and Wes Anderson-y but yeah. like they're also drinking blue drink every single time so they're well, like at okay. this, the, this, the teapot but they're also drinking blue drink is the blue drink like what is blue drink beta jesse eisenberg drinks blue drink alpha jesse eisenberg does not quirky manic pixie dream girl always wears blue this has to be connected. It has to be. Okay, so did we talk about how this fits into the Unsound Theoryverse? Um, only in the sense that uh, a bunch of shit keeps happening to this poor person and he doesn't know why or fully understand what's happening to him. Which in and of itself is a commentary on this podcast because yes. a bunch of shit keeps happening to us in the form of these awful movies. Yeah. With the exception of the last one we watched, that one was very good. I had a blast watching that one. Me too. That one uh, kicked ass. Yeah, no, we've definitely gotten a lot of... Um, we've been tortured by these terrible circumstances that we've been put in. You know, we probably should have noted up front that this movie was a Patreon suggestion. Oh, yeah, that's... Well, <laughs> that is probably worth noting, yeah. This is a movie suggested by one of our patrons. Um, so thank you for uh, giving us money and also torturing us. I want to figure out where Emma mentioned it. She told us who the... She can edit in post. Yeah, Emma, just fix it in post. 
I'll fix it in post, like offense. Yeah. Because uh, oh. you have to fix the posts to fix offense. Uh-huh. Um, anyway. So... <sighs> Someone is grilling outside my apartment, so it my my whole apartment is starting to smell like charcoals, and it's like both miserable and great. Yeah. So we should we should keep talking about this movie. Um, uh, my theory for what happens to like get to this like retro future sort of thing is that this movie actually takes place after Ad Astra. Okay. Where like the plant, the world has collapsed due to the planet being ravaged by neck drug, and surge. because suddenly we have like a huge surge of new neck drug supply. Yes, yes, so much neck drug, society collapses. I can exactly. see that happening. Exactly, and it's taken over. You know, parts of America are split up and taken over by a warlord who calls himself the colonel and builds like a Soviet style regime with whatever remaining economic might he could muster, which is why yeah. all the technology feels very like 1950s version of stuff. It's a little fallouty. It is a little fallouty. Also, I there's one thing that I don't know if I was just fucking hallucinating or what, but the copy machine looks oh, yeah. like a regular R world copy machine, but longer, but longer. So th- I think, I think this lends some credence to your theory of it's in the future and that copy machine is like one of the few pieces of actual technology they've managed to salvage right which is why it's treated with such like dignity and stuff like that uh, it's yeah. worth noting that uh, manic pixie dream girl's name is hannah we see yeah, that because he buys I... her earrings that say for hannah I caught that. I did not. That did not go unmissed by me. So Hannah works at the copy machine in the same company as Alpha and Beta Jesse Eisenberg. Yes. And His like, name is like Simon James or something like that. Right. So I assume like the doppelganger has a really dumb name like James Simon. Probably. That that seems to ch- that checks out, right? Like. Yeah, I'm assuming that's exactly correct. Because, you know, that's how doppelgangers work. Yeah, you just reverse it. You put the thing down, flip it, and reverse it? (laughs) I was trying to remember how that went. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, God, that song. It's been so long since I've listened to that song. There was something Um, about them like switching places or something in the movie right. um and definitely alpha jesse eisenberg goes on a date with manic pixie dream girl who beta jesse eisenberg is quote unquote in love with and by that i mean he is stalking her right like it's so like i think this is i, I guess 2013 was early enough in the end of the world scenario that we've been living since 2012 yeah. that um, like people hadn't yet realized that this like obsessive the the like being enamored with someone to the point of obsession is not love but actually just creepy. Yeah. So yeah, they like, hadn't figured out that it's that 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 is not ideal. That that's um, not how love works. That's how obsession works and yeah, objectification. Not, not good. Not good. Hate it. Don't like it. Can we have not that, please? Can we stop rewarding that, please? <laughs> Um, there's a scene after that date where Alpha Jesse Eisenberg has Hot Goth Girl over to his apartment and they fucking mm-hmm. and Beta Jesse Eisenberg with his telescope sees that they fucking and he calls Manic Pixie Dream Girl to tell her that this is happening and she goes up and is like no or something so what we've had there is i'm gonna call this a double cuck throwback a cuck bag drop turn yes and then shortly thereafter i believe we did also have a triple reverse turbo cuck um i want to just mention that the cuck back drop turn is a reference to the anime erica 7 it's a I good anime i've seen that anyway i i'm really off topic today yeah it's that kind of day we're recording on memorial day is it memorial day I, it's yeah it must be i get ooh, i'm time yeah no i the only reason i know is because i have off today like I, we've just been like 
it's just been like such a weird time and like yeah normally we record on sundays so it's like a very weird vibe to be recording on a monday yeah and if also between friday saturday sunday and today recorded like eight hours worth of podcasts oh we are deep 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 in the cast i still have another one after this oh good luck we're talking about wrestling good luck which actually should be fine because there was a lot of wrestling to talk about. Okay, yeah. There wasn't a lot of interesting thing in this movie to talk about. No, it's, basically, it, like... It was very kind of disjointed and a lot of it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And I feel like a lot of it was, like, metaphor. Right. It, it definitely felt like... Um... There was this, okay, there's one thing that Beta Jesse Eisenberg did where, like, when he held glasses of water, he would, like, hold them with both hands in, like, a very, like, it made him look like um, a hamster in Hamtaro eating a sunflower (laughs) seed. Oh my god. So that's henceforth called the Hamtaro Maneuver. The Hamtaro Maneuver. (laughs) Yes. Uh, but like there's just so much of this movie felt like I don't know for like the hour and a half that we watched this movie it just kind of felt like it didn't take a break to let things like settle it just constantly ramped up until the end of the movie it's very fever dreamy it I assume it makes a little bit more sense with sound I'm probably not gonna watch it with sound I probably won't either um because like there's a scene where he's like gonna try to kill himself or something and then he looks through the telescope and sees like manic pixie dream girl being very sad or something and then i think she's like laying on her bed with like buttons over her eyes and like a notebook in her head i assume assume it's like his vision of how she would feel if he killed himself I thought that she tried to kill herself. Okay. Like, because she felt betrayed by Alpha Jesse Eisenberg being... Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Being unfaithful to her or whatever. It's a very very suicide-forward movie. Yeah, it's Uh, like a weird commentary on, like, authoritarian regimes. Yeah. Also, the money... I have to say the money looked pretty cool in this movie. It did, yeah. Um... Uh, so then he decides not to kill himself and he goes to the doctor who with was, her he, he went with her yeah he like basically because like the scene after he's walking her back to her apartment and that's when she gets his jacket and finds the earrings and the reconstructed pictures that she made oh fuck me yeah okay so that's why i assume she like overdosed or something like that and he rushed her to the hospital that makes sense okay yes i can see that she had too much blue drink (sighs) which what if blue drink is what neck drug has become in this future state right it's like a neck drug derivative like how glitter stim is a derivative of spice in star wars yes and like the whole thing that happens is that he's like you know, she she overdoses on blue drink. He constantly takes blue drink to like calm his anxiety. Yes, but it actually just makes him worse. Yes. Okay. What if? Oh my god. What if blue drink adapted from neck drug? Neck drug sort of seems in Ad Astra to like take him out of the world. And right. he like talks to himself. What if the taking you out of the world has become a literal actual effect of the blue drink? And that's why nobody pays attention to him or anything because he takes too much blue drink and he's only partially phased into reality. Oh, okay. I see where this is going. So like basically his whole vibe is that he's like not actually there. Yeah. Because of all the blue drink he's taking. Yeah. He thinks it's because he's pathetic and nobody pays attention to him. He does not realize he has a blue drink problem. There is also a scene where someone hands him a substance abuse recovery book thing. Right. The the guy with the slick back hair and the mustache who I actually thought was probably the most grounded person in the movie. Exactly. This is a man who has been... Th- he, what That man might 
actually have lived through the before times and seen the downfall of society through neck drug and knows the dangers of neck drug and its derivatives blue uh-huh. drink and what if like blue drink is like rationed out to the masses y- yeah as a way to keep them complacent okay yes yes this is the only color you get in your life is blue drink and like you know alpha jesse eisenberg doesn't drink the blue drink because he's not under control because he's not real oh my god oh my oh my god cat cat oh my god oh my god cat what if oh my god shit fuck okay (laughs) (laughs) what what if manic pixie dream girl isn't real and she's just a metaphor for jesse eisenberg's addiction to blue drink because she always wears blue okay and then, like, her whole deal is that, like, she's this manifestation of his idealized reality that he can create in Blue Drink Fever Dreams. Yes. But can't bring to real life. Yes. And when he's about to kill himself, it's a symbolic death for her as well. Yes. Which is why it looks like she overdosed or something like that. You know, she's lying on the bed trying to die because he's about to die. So she has to end herself from being manifest. Yeah. He realizes that if he dies, he will never have another blue drink and he simply can't go through with it. And there's this scene where he like, okay, so we're like almost to the end of this movie with the various rambling and circular discussions we've we've been around back and forth it's been fucking wild it's fine nobody cares it's just time there's right so like the thing that like we find out is that alpha and beta eisenberg share damage Mm -hmm. yeah they have a shared health pool so when one of them gets hurt the injuries appear on the other's body yeah which is how we know it's definitely a fight club situation Mm -hmm. so like Again, we have a Fight Club ending where Jesse Eisenberg, beta version, attempts to kill himself, yeah. but like survives while Alpha dies. Yeah, or something. Does he survive? Like, I don't know. It's if ambiguous. It is very ambiguous. Because at the end of the movie, he's in this ambulance riding to the hospital and Blue Drink Girl yeah. and the Colonel are both in the ambulance with him. Yeah, which makes me think that's definitely like a he's dead and this is his like dying vision or whatever. That that checks out. Maybe he doesn't live. Yeah, because the movie ends with him just like shutting his eyes and it goes dark. Huh. And... Like, the last two people he sees in his life are the two people he idolized, the colonel and the physical personification of Blue Drink. Okay, I like where this is going. Um, hmm. I think it's um, bulletproof. We nailed this movie. I mean, isn't that what Jesse Eisenberg wanted us to do in that movie? Specifically nail him? Yeah. You got us, Jesse Eisenberg. You fucking got us. In the end... Maybe we were Blue Drink Girl the whole time. (laughs) Yep, yep. Or were we Hot Goth Girl? No, because Hot Goth Girl was definitely real. True. I also just, like, I want to, like, we we talked about it, but, like, I really appreciate the aesthetics of this movie. Yeah. If not the plot, like, you know, it's, it's very, like, drab in its elegance. Yeah, yeah. And like I, I appreciate that, you know. It, it it worked out it looked really nice. But like I just I don't want to watch more movies where the the nice guy gets the girl because he's the nice guy and not because he did anything particularly special other than like Especially since like it's basically like she like like she finds his weird, creepy stalker notebook where he's like dug all of her drawings out of the trash and taped them back together and like the earrings that he bought for her. And that like gets her mm-hmm. like, no, 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 it's not how this works. No. See, if I found out a guy was like, if I found out anyone was like recovering my trash and coveting it i that's a no for me that's a hard no yeah that's that's a very solidly um okay please don't i'm going to call the police now yeah 
Um, okay, there is one other thing that I definitely want to mention, and it's when both Eisenbergs are waiting for like a bus or a train or something like that, and they're standing in front of this bright yellow vending machine that just says soup on it. Yes, I want soup vending machines. <laughs> like, it doesn't look like... Like, did, does it just drop the soup, like, into a bowl? I guess it's like... Okay, have you ever had vending okay so it's like the um coffee vending machines yeah i can see that. where like basically it's like you know it, there's a pre-mixed thing of soup that's like kept warm inside this fucking soup dispenser and then it just like spits out soup into a bowl so it drops down a bowl and then spits out the soup into it and you take the bowl of soup and you like sip it from the bowl yeah i think or it's like those like microwavable soup cups and it just like microwaves that and drops it out i don't know that we saw evidence of microwaves in this movie we didn't but maybe microwaves are limited to i mean maybe it just like gas heats them or something who knows yeah because that thing does look like you know fairly sturdy i would like to try this soup is what i'm getting at what kind of soup do we think it is just broth just broth yes okay my thought is that it's like borscht. You get yeah. like this, so it's that it doesn't have to be heated up. You just get this bowl of cold beet flavored soup. Ugh, that sounds with awful. like additional nutrient paste. Ooh, ooh. What if just soup is what they call nutrient paste, and it just like dollops out some soft serve nastiness onto your hand, and you just like lick it off? What if the soup actually has nectrug in it? As part of the complacency oh, program. Oh, it's blue soup. Bloop. Bloop. The blue soup that you love to poop <laughs> after you eat it. I, okay. <laughs> I should definitely work in advertising. And yeah, no, that. Uh huh. Yep. So that's the movie. Um, do we want to have the mid roll happen here? Mid roll, nothing but mid roll. Always with mid roll, mid roll. Oh yeah. <sighs> Emma's gonna cut this out anyway, so it doesn't matter what we do. Um, do we have anything? Other than like the the inserted ads that we can do that we want to like take a second to plug, um, tell me you started streaming again recently. I did. Do you want to talk about that? I started streaming again on Twitch.tv/slash Sapphire. Um, do you want to spell that for the folks at home? S A P P H I E R Y. It's like sapphire and fiery. Uh, just mashed together in a portmanteau. A clumsy is... portmanteau. Oh, I think it's quite clever. I feel like all portmanteaus are clumsy. Impossible. Like blog. Yeah, well, my name is the exception. Okay, fair. Fine. Anyway. <laughs> I I've been I did that once and I want to do it more as soon as I have the mental health capacity and whatnot the availability of spoons yeah that's a big factor but there's only so many dishes you can wash in a day yeah and it's it was a lot of fun when i did it so i'm gonna do it more hopefully hopefully um check check it out definitely it's a fun 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 place and i knock things off counters a lot (laughs) because you are literally a cat yeah is it the first time you've meowed on the podcast? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I think it is. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, there it is. Anyway. I've played that back for Taco before and he's gotten very confused. <laughs> yeah. I sent a video of it to one of my friends once and she watched it and she said her daughter came running into the room demanding to see the cat video. <laughs> oh god um what do i have to plug um we'll insert ads for our other shows here but um yeah do make sure to check out the sosos media patreon emma will talk about that hey listeners here's emma to talk about that thank you so much for helping us get to the 10th episode 
We're super excited for what's to come on Unsigned Theories, and we couldn't have done it without you. I want to take this moment to thank Asosa's Patreon backer. Zeratech, we couldn't keep the lights on at this podcast without you. Thank you so much. And thanks to all of our other patrons. All of your pledges this month are being donated to a Black Lives Matter organization that will announce sometime early in July. And we're going to match our backers' pledges. If you want to help us create more queer content, head on over to patreon.com slash There you'll find exclusive perks like Discord roles, early access, Patreon exclusives, and much more. Our current goal is to get to $150 per month. This will let us take a day or two off per week for editing, and will cover all of the hosting and software costs. We are quite aware of how tight budgets are right now in the midst of the pandemic. If you aren't able to help us out financially, and even if you are, the best thing you can do to support us is to tell a friend about the show. Comedy is meant to be enjoyed together, so share the love. Thank you so much, listeners. We've still got half an episode left, so let's get back to the unsound theories. Do, do we want to find out Jesus what this movie Christ. was really Tell about? Tell me what this movie was about, Cat, please. Okay, so The Double is a 2013 British black comedy thriller written and directed by Richard Iowati, starring Jesse Eisenberg and Mia Wasikowska. It's based on the 1846 novella The Double by Fyodor Dostoevsky. It's about a man driven to breakdown when he's usurped by a doppelganger. So we, we got there. Mm-hmm. Um, downtrodden Simon James played by Jesse Eisenberg has worked in his office for seven years but he's ignored by his boss and colleagues from his apartment he spies on his beautiful co-worker whom he admires Hannah who lives in the apartment complex opposite him Quote, he sees her throwing admires. away art yes he admires her he sees her throwing away art and secretly retrieves it and admires it This the word admires is <clears throat> doing a lot of heavy it. lifting one night, Simon sees a man jump to his death from the floor above Hannah's apartment. He talks to detectives who explain that if the man had jumped a few feet to the right, he would have been badly hurt, but he would have survived. Hint. Okay. Simon's boss, played by Wallace Shawn, announces the arrival of a new employee, James Simon, also played by Eisenberg, who looks exactly... Why like did I- we know? <laughs> because movies like this are dumb like that. Fuck. Oh god, tits are so sweaty. <sighs> I hate this weather. Um, who looks yeah. like done? Who looks like okay? Simon's boss, Wallace Shawn, announces the arrival of a new employee, James Simon, also played by Eisenberg, who looks identical to Simon, which causes Simon to faint upon first glance. Assertive and charming, James is Simon's polar opposite. Much to Simon's annoyance, James not only gets respect from their coworkers, but no one seems to notice that they're identical in appearance. James, on the other hand, does notice this and sees Simon's pain. Out of pity, he decides to buddy up with Simon and give him advice on how to seduce Hannah. Seduce is just the most disgusting word mm, in the English language. I'd rather yes. hear the word moist a hundred thousand times and have to read the word seduce again. Especially in this context. Like, wear a, wear a loud hat and neg her like a normal person, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so uh, Beta is Simon and Alpha is James. Just just so that we don't get them confused. Okay. Um, so James gives Simon advice on how to seduce <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> Hannah then asks James on a date through Simon. On the date, Simon pretends to be James with the real James giving him instructions via earpiece. When Simon becomes nervous, the two swap places and James kisses Hannah, angering Simon. James asks Simon to take an aptitude test in his place and seduces the boss's surly, rebellious rebellious daughter, Melanie, whom Simon was reluctantly hired to tutor. So Simon, James is like, hey, Simon, take this aptitude test for me while I go seduce the boss's daughter. This gets worse. Uh-huh. It, it, I thought it was bad and it was badder. Simon gets his revenge on James by revealing to Hannah that James is cheating on her with Melanie. Furious, James blackmails Simon for his apartment keys using illicit photos he took of himself with Melanie, knowing their boss will believe it's Simon in the photos. 
Right, where Simon accuses James of being an imposter and is fired after going on a maniacal tirade. As he's about to kill himself, he sees Hannah lying unconscious in her apartment. He calls an ambulance and accompanies her to the hospital where it's revealed that she not only overdosed, but also miscarried. She had become pregnant after a sexual encounter with James. Simon then takes Hannah back home, relieved that she still survived. Still upset, however, Hannah states that she wanted to die and suggests that Simon kill himself. She goes through <laughs> right, abrupt, blunt, perfectly acceptable for a manifestation of blue drink. Yes. She goes through Simon's jacket pockets and discovers the earrings he had bought for her and her salvaged art. Simon learns that his mother has died and finds James at her funeral. Simon punches him and discovers they share injuries as James' nose bleeds, so does Simon's. He finds Hannah and tells her he wants to be noticed. He's going to his, he goes to his apartment and handcuffs the sleeping James to his bed, then goes to the ledge above Hannah's apartment and steps to the right after he jumps to the left. He takes a step to the right and puts his hands on his <laughs> hips and yeets himself off the building. <laughs> He is badly hurt, but survives. Hannah runs to him and an ambulance arrives. Lacking medical attention, the handcuffed James appears to be on the brink of death as he lies motionless on the apartment floor. Inside the ambulance, the Colonel, played by James Fox, and Hannah watch over Simon. The Colonel tells Simon that he is special, to which the latter responds with a half smile. I'd like to think I'm pretty unique. End of film. <sighs> Well, I can tell you one thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to watch this with sound. No. <laughs> and like, I, I mean, for all things considered, Jesse Eisenberg was the right person to cast in this movie. Yeah. Because he's the only one. Who, he's the only actor I know of who could, with the appropriate amount of smarm, deliver the I'd like to think I'm pretty unique line. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Would we like to find out the plot of Dostoevsky is the double? I don't care enough. Okay, do you want to hear the worst part of this movie? What? It's that it premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival, so Canada is partly responsible for this. Thanks, Canada. Why'd you do this to me, Canada? Um, it opened at two cinemas in the United States, grossing $14,646. It ended up grossing 145000 in North America and $1.3 internationally. Um, total box office of $2.3 I don't know what the budget was, but I have to imagine it wasn't small. Yeah. Um, it hasn't been nominated for any awards. So the critical yes. reception is 83% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. <clears throat> now... But it also has a 68 out of 100 on Metacritic. Uh, so close to the nice rating. So close. So the, close. Okay. Okay. Critics gave it an 83%. Audience gave it a 59%. Mm. So I'm inclined to say that the audience was right on this read. Yes. The audience perhaps might have been too generous. Um, so all of these characters actually have names. Really? Yeah. Uh, Wallace Shawn's character was Mr. Papadopoulos. <laughs> Wallace Shawn does not look Greek. No. <clears throat> but you know, it's the future. It is the future. Maybe it's the future. Yeah. Do you want to hear some Amazon reviews? Sure. A Let's do Amazon A reviews. Amazon reviews. This review is um, <clears throat> from Tony. Tony gives the movie three stars. Okay. And says, Jay got less time than Carl in Stag. Sorry, what? Jay got less time than Carl in Stag. <laughs> uh. Jay got less time than Carl in Stag. Can you send me the text of this review? <laughs> because I don't comprehend what you have said. Jay got less time than Carl in Stag. What does that have to do with this movie? <laughs> How? <laughs> Three stars. Jay got less time than Carl in Stag. <laughs> okay, I found this review. It doesn't say less, it says loose. Loose. L-S-S. Yes. Jay got that less makes... time than Carl in Stag. Maybe they like were shifted over a letter on the keyboard? I, I can't comprehend what they could mean. 
no god listeners if you have any idea what the fuck this person means tell us please tweet us uh at so says media hashtag jay got less time than carl and stag can okay i'm gonna like leave a note in the recording with at the time at a t- with a timestamp so that we have an exact moment when jay got less t- time than coral and stag <laughs> so that emma can come back to this when she looks at it and edits it and was like what the fuck yeah it's because jay got less time than carl and stag i don't know what the confusion is it's certainly more comprehensible than the movie is it yes two-star review from rural underscore user titled what and i will read this as written one keeps expecting something in this movie that makes it interesting or understandable but it never happens dot 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 waste of time not wrong not wrong uh this one from shark cap says is a one-star review saying titled warning it's awful i only saw about 20 percent of this movie when i begged amazon to refund my money i love (laughs) indie films and quirky films this was painful and awful maybe more like a film school project which i'd give an f (laughs) maybe richard iowati should stick to directing because he's got he directed this yes yes he did which explains why you know the acting was okay from what i've read in these reviews it explains why the set direction made sense but he also wrote it and maybe he shouldn't write movies anymore maybe he shouldn't write it uh yeah not 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 a not a good one, I I will say. Not the best. I would maybe suggest that it's slightly better in quality than um than the man from Earth. Yeah, well, um, I feel like we're at ten episodes. We should probably do like a top. I, I mean, like we're at ten episodes. We should probably rank the movies that we've watched at like one to ten. You know. I don't remember the movies we've watched. This... I can, I'm going to pull up the podcast. <laughs> okay. While you do that, Amazon user Block Google Spiders <laughs> gives this movie four stars and says, I felt like this movie had enough interesting courage symbolism in it that it probably bears a second watching at some point. The context and subtext were both interesting. Larry Baldwin gives it four stars and says, also, I was billed for something I couldn't watch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so our movies thus far, The Man from Earth, The Legend of the Christmas Witch, The Giant Claw, Ad Astra, A Man of No Importance, An American in Paris, Clear and Present Danger, uh, Incel of the Music Hall. I'm going to write these down and share a thing with you so you can... Actually, I'll just message you on Discord. That's easier, isn't it? Yeah. Billy the Kid, Amazon user Billy the Kid, gives this movie five stars. Excellent, but read review for your own taste, is the title of this review. The text of the review is, loved it, love Jesse, read review first. (laughs) Wait, is this like a circular, it's a recursive review? I think they forgot to write the rest of the review. (laughs) Or it's like, okay, well, now that you've reached the end of the review, read the title of the review, which says go back and read the review, and then you end up in an infinite loop. Oh, shit. And then eventually it turns in, your life turns into this movie. I think that's 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. For our last Amazon... For our... (laughs) For our last Amazon review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we oh, have God. a five-star review from the Ghost Star original. Uh-huh. Titled Outstanding, Fantastic, Completely Original, Perfect Modern Cinema Masterpiece. Completely original based on the <laughs> novella by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Uh, the text of this review reads this movie is nothing like you would expect you simply cannot this film takes place the film takes place in an alternate universe in another place and time the genius is 
that the rules to this alternative universe work so well with the characters and plot, there is no way to tell which way the direction of the plot is going to go. Because as the viewer, in parentheses, we don't know the rules of this alternate universe. It was filmed and written masterfully, and is one of the best examples of cinema art I have seen in a long while. Stunning set, brilliant acting and script. Great, great. Great film. Absolutely. Wow. Great job to everyone involved. It's a perfect, not movie, but film. I That can't be the same movie that we watched, or this person's a complete simpleton. One person commented on this review. Oh, goodness. To say, and this really just sort of makes the whole thing... Reminds me of a guy I used to date. <laughs> <laughs> So there's that. I did my best to uh, replicate like the punctuation in this. There's a lot of like dot dot exclamation dot 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 comma dot dot exclamation dot comma dot. It's it's a wild ride. Yeah. Um, okay. Do we want to rank the ten movies we've watched so let's, far? Let's do it. Number one, Ad Astra. It began a saga. It's the center of the Unsound Theory verse. Okay, are we talking about, like, ranking them in importance of meaning to the podcast, or are we talking about just, like, quality of the, the are we, are we entertainment quali- value? Quality of the movie or quality of the episode that they may be produced? I think quality of the movie, because okay. all of the episodes that we produce are just as good, but also somehow better than the last one. Yes, okay, quality of the movie. Uh, are we going to do this from lowest to highest quality? Sure, let's go lowest to highest. Lowest quality, giant claw. Yes. Yet somehow also one of the more entertaining ones. Yes. Um, number two. Uh... I'm going to give it to this one. Um, this one I feel is... like the double was... It, it just was... It was... It was it a wasn't lot. Good. It wasn't... Yeah, it, was, it wasn't good. Yeah, no. I'll, agree, I'll agree with that. Double. Yeah. Uh, number three, um... Number seven, counting up. Oh, can't... Okay, yeah, number seven, uh... I feel like it's probably Phantom, because that movie was torture. Yes, Phantom. Phantom, number seven. Number six, Man from Earth. Okay. Number seven... No, number six is American in Paris. Okay, yeah, no, I was gonna say American in Paris, then Man from Earth. Then Man from Earth. Number four, uh, Ad Astra. Mm-hmm. Um, number, number three, three, Clear and Present Danger. Two. It's kind of a toss-up here. Forget which ones we've. Wait, did we? Where the did two we... that we have left are Christmas Witch and Eleven Fourteen. Where do we put Man of No Importance? Are there eleven of these? Did, are there one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? No. So we must have started our numbering system wrong. We did. <laughs> fuck (laughs) okay number 10 we agreed was um giant claw giant claw number nine number nine the devil number eight eight was phantom i think so yeah and then uh american in paris and then Man from Earth. Okay, so we skipped eight in our last countdown. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did numbers bad. Okay, <laughs> I can't be expected to do math. I'm getting yeah, exactly. Um, at exactly five. five. I think that was at Astra. Yeah, it, it was very that. Um, number four, Christmas Witch. For oh, sure. I like the Christmas Witch a little bit more than Clear and Present Danger. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So number four is Clear and Present Danger. Number three, Christmas Witch. Mm-hmm. Number two. I'm going to give that to uh, Men of No Importance. Yeah. And then number one is eleven fourteen. There we go. There's our yep. list thus far. That's our top 10 out of 10 episodes, movies of Unsound Theories. My brain has completed its meltdown. Well, not quite. Mm-hmm. We have one more thing that we need to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Because um, we're saving a bunch of these reviews. I'll send you one. I'm so happy we have this at the end of every podcast to make up for 
Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. So um, this Bob G review is for the book movie, The Story of Australia by Brad Lyons. Okay. Four stars. Nationalistic propaganda. <laughs> Completely, uh, competently produced nationalistic propaganda for the nation slash continent of Australia carefully ignores the appointment of their Supreme Court by the Queen of England. To this day, the observe of every Australian coin displays the visage of the reigning monarch of the British Empire. The series also ignores the predominance of felony tax evading religion gangs who inflict slavery on modern Australian males in their divorce racketeering system, which is every bit as offensive as what is the equivalent slave mongering as what the equivalent holy shit bob um, <laughs> hey, hey bob hey bob, hey, bob. The, okay the inflict slavery on the modern australian males in their divorce racketeering system which is every bit as offensive as what the equivalent slave mongering churches have inflicted on americans ignore such fraudulent financial swindles as selling large quantities of shares in fosters comma australian for beer in all caps to American investors, then turning around and distributing money to Australian felony theft gangs, looting the equity of cash-paid stockholders under the euphemism stock buybacks, <laughs> praises the early convict and gold rush immigrants while ignoring brutal restrictions against modern wannabes. For all it carefully ignores the six episodes seem energizing to citizens, quote, down under. Now, Bob... Hey, Bob... Bob. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Do we want to really talk about slavery and its history in Australia? Because there's a whole population of indigenous people. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Bob. Robert. Robert. Uh, we have another review from Bob G. <laughs> <clears throat> this is a review of the i assume short film made droid what is made droid it, it is like oh a boy Japanese this looks like a, this this looks like oh god it's about it, a it, robot who takes care of a child or something. Oh. it's an exploitation film like it's i it's gotta be <clears throat> bob g gives this two stars and titles his review fantasy promotion the text of the review Okay, it, so it's a pink film. It's basically porn. Hot. Of course, Bob um, G watched it. Japan has, like, really strict laws about what pornography is and isn't allowed to be sold. So there's a whole genre of movie called pink film, which are, like, not technically porn because they have legitimate, like, stories to them. Usually they're action thrillers or exploitation films that are released with raw fucking in them because they can get cool, away cool. with it. <clears throat> cool. Lovely. Wonderful. I am not surprised that Bob G is watching that. Nor am I. <laughs> Bob G says of Made Droid, classic fantasy piece promoted by criminal purpose programmers to pretend that they can create robots capable of anything useful, let alone human sexual relations. Sorry, they that does say programmers, not programmers. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm bad read. Which makes it even more problematic. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. <sighs> Capable of anything useful, let alone human sexual relations, they present Asimov's laws of robotics as if those fantasy guides had anything whatever to do with the slopperating behavior of their products. The computer did it is their standard refrain when the machines they control and slopperate illegally seize human property, foreclose on homes which never had any mortgage against them, deny access to the computers which illegally hold human property, disrupt human lives and fortunes, and at times criminally damage human bodies. So um, what I'm gathering from this is that Bob takes his porn a little too seriously. Like that's that's what I'm getting, right? Bob is Bob. Bob 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 is a singular being. And there is no other. He's just Bob. It he's unknowable and unknowing. I I shudder to think what Bob's opinion on trans people is. <laughs> but at the same time, I kind of wanna meet Bob just to be like, Thank you for making our podcast so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Thank you. 
We wouldn't be able to do this without you. You have brought joy to this world. <laughs> sort of. In your own bobbish way. Yeah, really only because we don't have to interact with you on any level except reading your shit. Reading your complete gibberish. Yeah. Yeah, if I had to talk to this man... And honestly, the people that I have worked with, I probably have talked to Bob G. Um, yeah. In fact, I would not be surprised if Bob G is the man I used to work with who literally said that he thought it would be fun to go on a raping spree at work. Oh. I hope that that man got fired. The manager just sort of laughed and agreed with him. Um, we had a summer intern once, and literally the first three sentences he said to her were, You're extremely attractive. I'm glad you're working here. Do you have men? a boyfriend? Why are men? Is it okay if I sexually harass you? Did he literally use that exact phrasing? Yes. Hooray for white men in their 70s, right? He didn't get fired until a woman was hired as the manager and he tried his shit on her. Okay, so he did get fired? Well, technically he quit, but like, he got fired. Right, he got fired, but wasn't allowed to collect severance. It was It was like a, uh, yeah, it's like, listen, go. <laughs> <sighs> One time I was stuck in a car with him and he started off a conversation telling me that he saw that like Caitlyn Jenner documentary and I knew I was in for a bad conversation. Oh no, those are never good convos. <clears throat> he said I was lucky because I have small hands. <laughs> oh. oh god. I mean, you are lucky you have small hands. <laughs> I also have small hands. I consider myself very lucky. But that, that's a really creepy thing to say to someone. It's not good, for sure. Not good. <sighs> okay, uh, before we end this episode... Um, God, I'm looking at audio, uh, like, basically sound mixing boards that would be, like, perfect for when we actually have a physical studio. Mm -hmm. And this one is, like, actually not not unreasonable in, like, for our price range. Okay, but has it been reviewed by Bob G? Uh, let's see. I, for some reason, doubt that Robert G has considered I mean, buying a Behringer's any... X1204 USB 12 input 2.2 bus mixer. I think we have to face the facts that the G in Bob G does stand for God. Are you sure it doesn't stand for gangster? Ooh, grandpa. <laughs> or Gargamel. <laughs> <laughs> Should we be done with this? Yeah, just... Uh um, if if you like the podcast, please give us money on Patreon. We're very close to being able to break even. Yeah, and tell your friends about the podcast. It, it would be nice to not be operating the podcast network at a loss. Expose more people to Bob G. Tell people about the podcast. Um, other than that, I am so done with the double. I'm done with Dostoevsky entirely. Just I am, like I am double done with it. Thanks for listening. We sure didn't. Unsound Theories is a production of SoSiz Media. We're moving our Twitter account. Follow us on Twitter at SoSiz Media. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Comedy is best enjoyed together. All music on this episode was created by Sounds Like an Earful. Visit soundslikeanearful.com for more. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>